If you brought a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 26 of the book of Genesis, and we're going to go to verse 21, Genesis chapter 20, uh, pardon, chapter 25, verse 21. We've been talking about the spiritual life, and this uh, evening we're going to turn a little bit toward uh, a particular uh, ex example from the scriptures about walking in the spirit, and that's going to be the life of Jacob, which we're going to be studying in the next few weeks. But tonight, uh, we're going to look a little bit ahead of him to the life of Rebecca, his mother, all right, and I think that uh, as we begin our study of Jacob, next uh, in the next few weeks, you'll discover that Jacob had two names. You guys know what the two names of Jacob were? Jacob and Israel. Yeah, God gave Jacob the name Israel. Jacob means surplanter or heel grabber. And Israel means prince with God. Uh, esta noche vamos a comenzar un estudio sobre la vida de Jacob. Y vamos a ver que Jacob tiene dos nombres, Jacob y Israel. Y el nombre Jacob significa uh, el uh, suplantador. Y el nombre Israel significa uh, príncipe con Dios. So think about those two names, they're very different. Jacob means heel grabber or usurper, uh, surplanter. And the reason he got that name was because when he was born, and we'll learn about this tonight, when he was born, he was born second, but he grabbed for his brother's heel trying to get the first place. And so that name, Jacob, defined the kind of man that he was. El nombre Jacob significa suplantador porque cuando él nació, él era gemelo, y cuando él nació, su hermano nació antes de él, y él le... Le agarró el pie mientras nacía porque él quería ser el primero. Entonces entendemos una parte del carácter de Jacob, que él era un hombre uh, con mucha astucia, que usaba, manipulaba y para agarrar las cosas que él quería. Jacob was a, a man who was very astute. He was a manipulator. He could, he could use you and, and get the things that he wanted and... Uh, his life is important for us to study because there's that conflict in Jacob between Jacob and Israel. Y vamos a estudiar su vida porque el conflicto es entre Jacob y Israel. El mismo hombre, pero dos caracteres. The same man, but two characters. The character of Jacob, which represents the flesh, and the character of Israel, which represents that man that's walking with God. El carácter de Jacob representa el hombre en la carne y el hombre carnal. Y'all remember the carnal man? We talked about him. That's what Jacob represents. And then there's also Israel, the spiritual man. And it's interesting when you read the book of Genesis, sometimes God calls him Jacob. Sometimes the Bible calls him Israel uh, because it just depends on who you're looking at. Uh, a veces cuando leemos Génesis, leemos, a veces Dios le llama Jacob, a veces Dios le llama Israel, eh, y digo del escritor de la Biblia, y uh, eso nos da a entender que a veces él estaba en la carne y a veces él estaba en el espíritu. Uh, toward the end of his life, there's this beautiful picture uh, where uh, they come to tell him that his son, Joseph, is, uh, is alive uh, after he thought he was dead. En, el, en la última parte de su vida, le vienen a decir a Jacob que su hijo uh, está vivo, quien él pensaba que estaba muerto. And the scripture says this, that they told Jacob, but Israel got up. Dice la escritura que ellos le dijeron a Jacob, pero Israel se levantó. And just think about that. They told Jacob, but Israel arose. Ellos le dijeron a Jacob, pero Israel se levantó. And that's ultimately the goal that God has for every one of our lives. Because the, the filter of, you're going to have to hear the world and the, 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 the conversations and the news that you hear from the world is going to come through your natural man. 
it can't help but come through your natural man. It's got to come through your ears. But when, you're, when your natural man hears the news, your spiritual man needs to stand up and respond. Cuando el hombre natural oye mala noticia o buena noticia, el hombre espiritual es el que se tiene que levantar. Seven somebody. You see, when the natural man hears something and the carnal man rises up, there's trouble in the house. Cuando el hombre natural oye algo y el hombre carnal se levanta, hay, hay problemas. Pero cuando el hombre natural oye algo y el hombre espiritual se levanta, hay paz, hay tranquilidad, hay victoria. There's peace, there's victory, because the spiritual man hears good news or bad news, but he answers in God's way. And that's God's desire, God's design for all of us, uh, so that your Israel can stand up. Ese es el diseño y el deseo de Dios para cada uno de nosotros que nuestro Israel, nuestro espíritu se levante. And so, uh, tomorrow morning when you start living your day-to-day -day life and things come up, just let your spirit rise up. Let your spirit answer the door. When the devil comes to the door, just let the spirit answer the door. All right, let the, let the, the natural man be the, the receiver, but you let the spirit be the one that answers. Because the Bible says that the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. So some of you have heard bad news from the doctor. The doctor said you have, you have something going on and we want to take some more checks, take some more tests and check a few things. And your spirit man needs to rise up and say, God's on this. It's going to be okay. God's, God is my healer. God is my protector. Come on, somebody. God is going to provide when you get some some unexpected bills in the in the in the mail you just you just know God is my provider God's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory am I talking to anybody tonight all right so that's where we're headed but tonight I want us to look at the mother of Jacob because I believe that the source of a lot of the conflict in Jacob comes from his root system and tonight we're going to see a little bit about his mother She is one of the three matriarchs of the Old Testament. Uh, vamos esta noche a comenzar no con Jacob, sino con la, la madre de Jacob. Uh, porque su madre es una de las tres matriarcas del Antiguo Testamento. Y siempre cuando oímos el Dios de Abraham, Isaac y Jacob, uh, we always hear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But these guys did not have the nation of Israel on their own. Say amen, ladies. There were some ladies involved in the process. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob no pudieron tener la nación de Israel solos. Requirieron la ayuda de mujeres. Digan amen las hermanas. And so uh, these women are significant. They're important for our study of the scripture because just like the men, they had some great highlights and just like the men, they had some bum moments. Así como los varones, ellas tuvieron momentos de excelencia y otros momentos cuando uh, dejaron caer el estandarte. Y ellas son importantes para nuestro estudio. The one you know about the most, most likely, is Sarah. Quizá la que usted conoce más es a Sarah. You guys remember Sarah? Sarah was Abraham's wife. Sarah era la, la esposa de Abraham. And so she's the, uh, the matriarch of the nation of Israel. Ella es la madre de la nación de Israel. And then uh, she had a son named Isaac. And when Isaac uh, was about 40 years old, uh, God used, uh, provided a wife for him through the arranged marriage system of the Middle East. And the wife that, that was provided for Isaac, her name was Rebecca. Now, cuando uh, Sara tiene su hijo Isaac, Isaac crece y a los 40 años se le provee una esposa que... Uh, su nombre es Rebecca. And that's who we're going to be reading about tonight. And I want to read and then we'll, get, we'll, we'll pick up right where I'm leaving off. All right, Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. Genesis capítulo 25, verso 21. And Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, 
Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, which is living, powerful, and infallible. We ask tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation that they might hear the word and receive it uh, with faith into their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. All right, so Jacob's mother is named what? Rebecca. Rebecca. Jacob's grandmother is Sarah. La madre de Jacob es Sara. Ah, perdón, Rebecca. Y la abuela de Jacob es Sara. Now, you would think, when you read the story of Rebecca, it's a, it's a uh, Prince Charming and Princess Rebecca type story. Cuando usted lee el inicio de la historia de Rebecca, es una historia de una fantasía. You would think this is something that came out of Disney. Uh, they uh, are uh, brought together by an arranged marriage. Eh, ellos se unen a través de una unión, un matrimonio pre, uh, prearreglado. Eh, ellos no tuvieron el, el, eh, el deseo o la oportunidad de verse y escogerse uno al otro. Ellos fueron unidos a través de un, de un arreglo. These two, Isaac and Rebecca, were married by an arrangement. All right, and they were their marriage was arranged by the Holy Spirit. All right, so I don't think you can have a better matchmaker than the Holy Spirit. Uh, quizá no hay mejor persona para unir un matrimonio que el Espíritu Santo. Alguien diga amén. And so their story begins uh, with them not knowing each other, not ever seeing each other, and now they're married, and they the Bible tells us that they have a love relationship. So it's a love story. But it's in the context of the arrangements being made by the Holy Spirit. Uh, su historia es una historia de amor. Ellos uh, se aman uno al otro. Y comienza muy hermoso esto porque ella va a ser la princesa de, el, uh, de el, uh, la promesa de Dios para Israel. She's going to be the princess of God's, uh, uh, of God's promise uh, for the nation of Israel. So she's going to be one of the queens of Israel. She's going to be one of the women that all the, the women of Israel will look up to. Ella va a ser una de las mujeres que todo Israel va a ver hacia ella y uh, va a tener ese, ese puesto, esa posición. But her life was not nearly that glamorous when we really look at it. Su vida no tenía el lujo de todo eso cuando lo estudiamos porque casi siempre... Traer a cabo el propósito de Dios cuesta más que lo que uno piensa. Almost always, to bring about the purpose of God costs more than what you expected it to cost. And so, uh, Rebecca is going to discover that just as you and I discover that. Anybody in here who's a mother will know just how, uh, you know better than any of us, how hard it is to bring about the purpose of God in the life of a child or the life of a son or a daughter. Las madres aquí saben el precio que es traer a cabo el propósito de Dios en la vida de, de sus hijos. Y, y, y Rebecca va a cargar esto. Rebecca is going to carry this. And I just want to uh, uh, mention that as she starts out, it looks real good, but for 20 years, she can't have a child. Por 20 años, ella no puede tener un hijo. And so uh, the, very, the very purpose of being part of this family is that God's going to birth a nation through them. God's going to bring about a, 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 a people that today we know as a Jewish people, and through them will come the Messiah. So it is essential that she be able to give birth to a child. And yet for 20 years, she does not have the ability to, to conceive a child. So uh, uh, we assume that Isaac is 40, and now he's about 60 years old. Now, she was probably quite a bit younger than him. And so uh, you have this situation where you have um, a 20-year long and sorrowful expectation of when God is going to supply this child. And 
Now, this child upon whom hangs the, the, the salvation of the world. I don't want you to miss that fact, all right? The whole world, our, our salvation depends on Rebecca having a baby. No, no pressure, right? Uh, the, the, the salvation of millions and millions of souls uh, depends on one woman having a baby. Ever felt that kind of pressure? I hope not. I hope not. But, you know, it, it's enough for a woman who wants to have a baby to not be able to have a baby, that's enough pressure. But you add on to that the eternal pressure, the weight of the promise. Because you know this family talks about this at the dinner table, that God told Abraham that your descendants will, will be as numerous as the sand of the seashore, and, and you are going to be a nation, and I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And every time Rebecca's listening to that, she's overhearing that, she's thinking... I'm the linchpin, and I can't have a baby. And if I don't have this baby, the, the promise is going to die with Isaac, and we're going to be in a mess of, of trouble. And the Bible tells us in, in verse 21, look at verse 21, because this is so important. It says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. Can I just tell you guys, if you're married, husbands, that's... That's duty number one right there, to pray for your wife. Say amen, somebody. You know how, how important and, and, and awesome the responsibility is to be the spiritual head of a house? A lot of guys think, okay, being a leader, being the head of the house means that um, I get to eat first and I get to uh, do whatever I want and I get to have the remote control and I get to watch what I want to watch. But that's really not what headship is about. Headship is about being the first one in the presence of God to intercede for and to seek the wisdom and, and leadership of God for your family. Somebody say amen. And headship means you're the first to sacrifice. The first to give so that the needs of the family are met. And so Isaac prays for Rebecca. And the Bible says that the Lord answered Isaac, and he allowed Rebekah to conceive. This is the scripture that Isaac oró por Rebekah, y Jehová lo oyó, lo escuchó, y ella pudo concebir un hijo después de 20 años de estar esperando. Ella al fin puede tener este hijo. She is finally able to receive what God has put, but uh, destined or purposed her to receive because her husband is praying for her. So I just want to challenge the men tonight to be praying for your wife uh, because there's purpose and, and uh, glory that God has in her life that you, you can help come and bring into, into life and into reality if you will be a man of prayer. If you will be a man who is praying uh, for that woman in the same way um, as a pastor, I pray for you that God will allow this congregation to flourish and become uh, the, 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 the glorious uh, flock that bears fruit for the glory of God. Because uh, you see, prayer is so essential and, and we can all pray. Uh, you, everybody can pray for your children, but when you pray for your children, there's a spiritual authority that's on your prayers that's not on anybody else's prayer. And when I pray for you, there's a spiritual authority on my prayers that's not on anybody else's prayer. And when a husband prays for his wife, there's an authority there that's not on anybody else's prayers. So I want to just encourage you to let loose the power of the authority that God has given you to pray over the people in your life. Say amen, somebody. He prays for her, and I don't know, I don't know if he had ever prayed for her before. But whatever he did this time, God heard him. And I think he probably had prayed for her before, but the fact is that God likes to take us to the ragged edge of failure. Just so that we'll know, this is my doing, not yours. Dios parece ser que nos le gusta llevarnos a la pura orilla del fracaso para que sepamos que esto lo hizo él. Y no yo. Y él quizá, uh, quizá una noche, I, I can just imagine, because I've heard stories kind of like this, and my, my parents and my aunts and uncles and my brothers, and, and I hear how sometimes, 
you know, uh, there's a need for prayer in the middle of the night, and maybe they're laying there in bed, and he's trying to sleep, and she's whimpering. <laughs> and he's probably thinking, I hear, uh, she wants a baby, and I don't know what we're going to do about it. There was no, there were no doctors to solve that problem at the time. And maybe he just hears her, <laughs> and he just kind of half asleep lays his hand over on her. He speaks those prophetic words. Lord, give my wife the desires of her heart. And God heard him. God heard him. I heard, uh, the reason I, I kind of picture it that way is because I have an aunt and uncle. He's a pastor, and she woke him up in the middle of the night because she was sick. She said, pray for me. And so he just kind of half asleep, laid his hand on her and fell asleep in the middle of his prayer. She said, I was offended, but I got healed, so I just got over it. <laughs> Isn't it just wonderful when God just gives you what you've been waiting for for a long time? I mean, there's nothing like it. You've been planning and you've been preparing and, and they have been no doubt talking about it because 20 years is 20 years. 20 años son 20 años. Y al fin se termina la espera. Finally, the famine is over. Se, se, se termina la sequía and she is now able to conceive and then the Bible tells us that she becomes pregnant, but her pregnancy is very difficult. Ella tiene la habilidad de concibir, pero su, uh, su embarazo es muy difícil. It's a difficult pregnancy, and the Bible says that when you read there in verse 22, it says that the children, or, or in fact in the Hebrew it implies the sons, struggled within her. When she conceived, not only did she conceive, but she conceived twins. And there were no sonograms at the time. All she knew was that there was a royal rumble going on in her womb. And apparently it was very severe. When you read the word uh, in the Hebrew, the word for struggle, it, it means that they pushed against each other. These guys were having a, a mortal combat struggle in the womb. And Rebecca actually thought they're going to kill me in the process. Their struggle is so intense that they're going to hurt me, and we're, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to get uh, killed in this process, and they're going to abort this whole plan. That's what that's what's involved in that word struggle. And that's what I want to just park on a little bit tonight because when we see that Rebecca is struggling, we see these two brothers, these two uh, men who are going to become men uh, struggling. They're pushing and pulling and, and they are fighting with one another because that's going to be the nature of their relationship. And tonight uh, I just want to deal with this because there are many of you tonight who have a struggle within you as well. There's a pushing and a pulling that's taking place between uh, different forces that are going on in your life. There's a conflict going on in your life. And maybe that conflict tonight is um, the conflict between right and wrong. Between doing what, what's right, you know it's right, and, and it's clear, and then there's what's wrong, you know it's wrong, and that's clear, but you have not yet said goodbye that life and that conflict is killing you it's it is uh, destructive to you because the Bible says this you cannot serve two masters you will either hate one and love the other or you will love the one and hate the other you can't serve God and mammon the Bible says you can't serve God in the world there are a lot of people who have that conflict on the inside. Hay muchos que tienen el conflicto interno entre el bien y el mal. Conocen el bien, saben lo que es bien 
y también conocen el mal y saben lo que es mal, pero está ese conflicto. And you would think that it's just easy enough, right? We, whenever we're not having a problem with something, uh, like for instance, I don't smoke, never have smoked. I don't drink, never have drank uh, alcohol. So it's very easy for me to look at somebody who smokes and just say, just stop smoking. Stop already. I don't know why you just don't stop. Because I don't have that confidence. But there's a battle that goes on between my will and God's will in a lot of hearts. And Rebecca's conflict can represent that kind of conflict for people maybe here tonight where you're still struggling between God's will and my will, between my wants and God's wants. In all of Jacob's life, we'll notice it's going to be that struggle between God's will and my will. And Jacob does not become Israel until his will dies. It's not until Jacob dies to himself that now he can become a prince with God. So this thing we're seeing in Rebecca's womb is going to be a reality in Jacob's life. Lo que vemos en el vientre de Rebeca lo vamos a ver en realidad en la vida de Jacob. Y Jacob no va a tener victoria en su vida hasta que él muera a su voluntad y viva a la voluntad de Dios. You remember that, that famous scene where J uh, Jacob is struggling with the angel. He's struggling with God. Se, se recuerda usted ese, esa escena tan uh, conocida cuando Jacob pelea con Dios. Está, está teniendo un combate con Dios. And, and uh, we often think that the, the battle is over a blessing. And it is over a blessing. But really the battle was over a question that the angel was asking Jacob. The question was, what's your name? Who are you? Confess who you are. And Jacob wouldn't say, I'm Jacob. I'm a surplanter. I'm a trickster. And so as long as he wouldn't submit his will to God, he couldn't receive the new name. The moment he said, I am Jacob, the battle was over. The blessing was on his life. And God said, you will no longer be Jacob, but now you will be Israel because you have been made a prince with God. Why? Because his will bowed to the will of God. And we see it in a very vivid physical picture because the Bible tells us that Jacob walked away with his hip out of socket. Do you remember that? So just think about this. When Jacob walked up on that angel that night, he walked up physically intact, but his, his spiritual joints were out of socket. But when he walked away from the angel... His will had been broken, and now he's got a physical joint out of socket, but spiritually he's standing upright. You see, I would much rather be crooked in my body and straight in my soul. Come on, somebody. I said, I would much rather be crooked in my body, dragging around a lame leg and upright with God, than to have a whole body, Jesus said, to have your whole body and burst hell right open. It's much better to have your natural man submitted and your spiritual man reigning than to have your natural man reigning and your spiritual man dragged around in defeat. And Jacob became Israel because his will was submitted to the will of God. Cuando Jacob somete su voluntad a la voluntad de Dios, ahora él es Israel. Entonces, este conflicto en Rebeca nos da ese, ese vistazo a lo que va a ocurrir en la vida de Jacob. So this picture inside of Rebecca's womb is a picture of what's going to take place. It's a glimpse of what's going to take place in uh, the life of Jacob. But uh, not only that, maybe the conflict tonight isn't necessarily between bad and good or between right and wrong. Maybe the, bad, the conflict tonight uh, in your soul is between good and good. Maybe sometimes the conflict, and I've been in this place many times in my life, sometimes the conflict is not between bad and, and good because that one's easy. Sometimes the conflict is between something God wants you to do and something else God wants you to do. 
Anybody ever been there? The conflict between my family and my ministry. The family's good. This is God's doing. I have to meet this need. I have to do what I have to do. I have to be a husband to my family, or a father to my children. I have to be a wife to my husband. All of those responsibilities are right, and they're real, and they're true. And if you don't do them, you'll answer to God. Say amen, somebody. And then God over here says, now I want you to also be in the ministry. And I want you to serve other people. And I want you to pray for other people's kids. And I want you to counsel other people. And I want you to give some of your time up to deal with people have not, that are not your problem. And if you don't do that, you'll answer to God for it too. Am I talking to anybody tonight? So there's that conflict, and that's really what, J- what Rebecca is experiencing because Rebecca has two boys, and they're both hers. And they both came from God. But the conflict is there. Many times the conflict sometimes occurs like that with parents. Sometimes uh, uh, two siblings are fighting, and they want mom to choose one. You got to decide who you're going to love. This happens to me as a pastor, too. Sometimes people will be upset with one another, and they want the pastor to take a side. Sometimes the husband and wife, and they want the pastor to take a side. So I, I get a phone call from one and a phone call from the other, and they both want me to take a side. And I do take a side. I say, you're both wrong. Come on, somebody. But sometimes families get into that place where you've you got to take a side. You've got to decide whose side you're on. And that's ultimately where Rebecca is. She's going to be struggling with, these, with this problem for the rest of the life of her life because her sons are going to be constantly pulling and pulling at, at one another. And I just want to deal with that for those of you who have a ministry and those of you who have a family and you have to break that balance and and constantly be working toward making sure that the family life is taken care of and that your, your ministry life is taken care of because both of these things came from God. And sometimes what you realize is that the thing that you prayed for, the thing you couldn't live without, the thing that you thought that you needed, the thing that you begged and pleaded with God for 20 years to do in your life, that sometimes it turns out like Rebecca that when it's happening and this royal rumble is taking place in your soul that you say, why did I ever pray like this? Why did I ask God to do this? Some of you prayed like this. Your little boy was asleep and you said, Lord, I pray you'll make him a preacher. And now there's a conflict in his soul between preaching and drugs and you're like but I don't understand the conflict because you prayed something that God is doing but the process to getting him there means all of hell is against him and many times you have to live like Rebecca with the reality that the thing I prayed for just about could kill me it's not ever as easy as it seems and there are two predicaments that come up with Rebecca. The first one is the issue of why. Have you ever asked why? No one in here ever asked why. Okay, I'll just skip that point. Has anyone in here ever asked why? Are you afraid to ask why? Don't be afraid. You know, Jesus was on the cross, and guess what? The only question he asked was why. Why have you forsaken? This is her question. She said, if it was going to be like this, why? Why did you give me these boys? If I had known that it was going to be like this, I, I, I maybe wouldn't have prayed it. She said, if it was so, why then am I, am, am I this way? And this is the problem. She has, if, then why? Now, we've all been here. If God is a healer, why am I dealing with this sickness? Say amen, somebody. If God is a provider, why am I having to stretch my nickels? And we deal with that if blank, why blank? If God said he was going to use my son as a preacher, why is my son running the streets? If God said my husband and I were going to be a blessing to other families and other couples, why are we at each other's throat? 
And that issue comes up for Rebecca where she's dealing with the why. If this, why this? And that conflict often exists because of our expectation. We thought this was going to be different. And that's the next issue she deals with. She deals with the issue of expectations. I didn't expect it to be like this. When, when she asked God for a child, when she prayed for a child, when Isaac laid hands on her and, and, and prayed for her, there was no, no, no idea it was going to be this hard. And that's the deal. That's the issue that she's dealing with. And I think it's a lot of times the issue that you and I deal with is that now, I didn't expect it to be this hard. And, and we, we have this question, this thought, uh, when... when We do anything for God. Uh, la pregunta de ella es, yo no, o el pensamiento, yo no esperaba que iba a ser tan difícil como esto. You gave your life to Christ. How many of you have given your life to Christ? And then you had to fight hell just to get to church. And you thought, I didn't expect it to be this hard. You decided to tithe. And then stuff started breaking you didn't even know could break. I didn't expect it to be this hard. You got married. I didn't expect it to be this hard. Come on, somebody. I didn't know it was going to be like this. It happens to everybody. You go into the ministry, you know, a young pastor, a young preacher, I, my first church, you know, because they think all of pastoring is the pulpit. And then you got to, you realize that there's there are bills to pay and there are people to talk off the ledge. And, you know, there are all kinds of issues that come up. And you realize, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know that the same people that said, yes, you come, you'll be our pastor, are the same ones that are going to be shoving me out the door, not here at Kingsway. But th th this is what happens in a lot of churches. And then they say, I didn't know it was going to be like that. The same people that said, nobody can do it like you, turned around and said, anybody can do that. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I didn't know it was going to cost this much. When I read, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your house will be saved, I didn't know it was going to cost me tears and intercession and altar and 21-day fasts and all kinds of, of heartache and, and, come on, is anybody in the house of God tonight? I didn't know it was going to cost me this much. Jesus said, when you start building a house, count the cost. Make sure you have enough to finish. And when you start living a life for God, you have to count the cost. You realize there is a, a cost sometimes that is greater than that. And often we pray like, we think like Rebecca, I didn't think it would take this long. When God said, I'm going to use you, I thought he meant next week. I didn't know he meant next decade. Come on, anybody like that? Don't we love prophetic words? My goodness, we love prophetic words. And then when we realize it's been four years since that word. And the same prophet comes back through town and skips you in the prayer line. It's been, it's been four years and then it's been eight years and now it's been 20 years. And when is it going to happen in my life? But, you know, I've learned this, that God is not worried about time. You realize God doesn't live inside of time. He could tell you something you're going to do when you're 80, when you're eight. It's the same to him. It's frustrating to us, but it's the same to him. I didn't know it was going to take this long. And those pressures of expectation and the whys and the what ifs are, are going on in, in Rebecca's soul. Because it's not just happening in her womb. 
It's happening in her soul. The word that describes that it was within her. It doesn't just mean that they were physically pushing and pulling, but there was something going on in the seat of her emotions, something going on in the seat of her will. Something was going on in her soul and spirit that was in struggle with God. And there are two things that I want to mention, two mysteries that we see here before I tie this up. Tonight, there are two mysteries that we see in this that all of us are going to have to deal with. All right. A mystery is something that only God understands. All right. Can you live with that? If you can't, you're going to have a long, slow life. All right. You just got to get, get used to that fact. Deuteronomy says this. The book of Deuteronomy says this, that the secret things belong to God. And the revealed things belong to us and to our children forever. So who do the secret things belong to? God. And who do the revealed things belong to? Us. So that means that everything God said in the Bible is yours to explore and search and discover and learn and get to know. Say amen, somebody. But there are some things God has not said. They're mysteries. And those belong to him. And some people write entire books trying to unravel mysteries. And they create falsehoods, trying to explain things that God has not intended for us to explain or to understand. There's no verse in the Bible that says, thou shalt understand everything. Okay? Say amen, somebody. And I got to be able to live with that. And I've been real comfortable with that for a long time. I don't know everything. I'm not going to know everything. God has not decided to tell anyone everything. The Internet doesn't know everything either. Some things are, are mysteries. And there are two mysteries at work in this text. Hay dos misterios aquí en este pasaje. Y los misterios son cosas que Dios no ha decidido revelar. No, no nos ha decidido uh, dar todo el entendimiento. And the first mystery is the mystery of prayer. El primer misterio es el misterio de la oración. Now, this is a mystery because there are parts of prayer that we understand. Because they are revealed. And, and when you want to know about prayer, you can go study the Bible. Don't go study your horoscope. All right? Go study the Bible. Nobody said amen. Come on now. That's, that's where revelation is about how to talk to God. But there are a lot of things about prayer we don't understand. That we don't quite get. And people will say, well, it's because of this, it's because of that. They don't really know exactly. Here's, here's part of the mystery. Is that people always ask, why pray? Why do we have to pray? If God knows everything, does God know everything? Are you sure? Yeah, God knows everything. Say amen, somebody. If God knows everything, why doesn't he just do what I need him to do instead of making me pray about it? And the Bible gives us some impression as to why that is, and I'll give you what I think it is, but really, uh, ultimately, it's a mystery as to why God works in this particular way through prayer. Why do I need to tell him something he already knows so he can do it in my life? The biggest reason, of course, is that he gets glory out of that. When you ask him for something, he gets glory out of that in our life. But here's the mystery, is that the, the prayer ultimately did not originate with Rebecca. The desire for a child ultimately originates with God. God is the one that pushed Rebecca to desire a child. He's the one that moved on her to pray in that particular way. So from her perspective, she's praying because she wants a child. From God's perspective, she's praying because it's God's will that she have a child. And that's where the mystery takes place in, in the fact that I, I want something and I'm praying for it. But at the same time, it's really not my 
original idea. God put it there. And so for 20 years, she's praying for something that God wants her to have but won't give her. Everybody been there? It's God's will. She's praying for 20 years for something that God wants her to have, but God won't give it to her because there's a divine agenda at work. And then God finally moves on Isaac to pray, and when he prays, God gives Isaac the answer to the prayer that God made him pray. Come on, somebody. I know this is probably a little deeper than what you're used to. But I'm talking to mature saints right now. So what I'm telling you is don't, don't, if the Holy Spirit push, puts you, puts something in your heart to pray for, don't be ashamed of praying. If the Holy Spirit puts something on your heart and it's big and it's, it's, it's expensive and it's scary, don't be ashamed of it because you didn't come up with that on your own. God birthed that in you so that he could birth it in you. He put it in your life so that you could, so that you could by prayer, have it manifested into your life. He knows the timing. He knows the season. The mystery is his as to why and when and where. But you and I have a responsibility to pray, to move upon the moving of the Spirit in our life and to go and pray, to go and seek after God. To go and, and, and pray through how God wants to do this thing in your life. So we pray because God says to pray. And, and we pray because God moves us to pray. I don't believe anybody can pray effectively unless God moves on them. When you pray in your flesh, your, your prayers don't get past the ceiling. It's got to be moved on by the Spirit of God. That's why you don't want to be carnal. Because carnal men can't pray. They can complain. Boy, can they complain. But they can't pray. Spiritual men alone can pray. And when you start praying, you're telling God what he already knows. And, and you might feel like, man, I'm just letting the Lord know a whole lot of stuff right now that he doesn't know. Trust me. He not only knows it, he wrote it in your heart so that you could speak it back to him. So that you could say to him what he has breathed into your life to say. Pray in the spirit. Pray as the spirit of God leads your life. And we see that with Isaac and Rebekah, that when they begin to pray, they're really just praying into manifestation what God has already desired for them. And now when she's having this conflict in her soul and she's wondering, why did I pray this way? I'll tell you why she prayed that way, because God moved on her to pray that way. So when you say, why did I ever pray for that? Because God had a reason. God had something he wanted to do. And see, God won't do anything, apparently, as far as we can tell, God will do nothing on the earth except through prayer. Why? I don't know why. It's a mystery. What is, what is revealed is that he says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Mire, Dios no hace nada en la tierra sino a través de la oración. Y yo no sé por qué, necesariamente por qué lo hace de esa forma, sino que él nos dice, pide y se te os dará. Esa es la encomienda. Si tú oras, él va now the second mystery involved here is the mystery of purpose. This is a big one. This is real, real hard sometimes for us to understand. El siguiente misterio es el misterio del propósito. Say purpose. The Bible tells us why God moved on Isaac to pray, why God moved on Rebecca to pray, and when they prayed, God allowed her to conceive so that when she conceived, she would have these two boys uh, because there was a purpose overarching her life. If you read the book of Romans, go to Romans chapter 10 uh, real quick. 
In fact, it's chapter 9, verse 10. Romanos capítulo 9, verso 10. Are you with me tonight? Romans chapter 9, verse 10. It reads, Romanos capítulo 9, verso 10. It reads, and not only this, say not only this. Aren't you glad God can do not only this? God can do that and this. Say amen, somebody. Not only this, you're going to have testimonies like that. Where after you've told some big, massive testimony, they left people with their jaw drop, you're going to say, and that wasn't even it. Not only that. Come on, somebody. Not only this, but there was Rebecca. No solo esto, sino que estaba también Rebecca. And when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's what? So that God's purpose, according to his choice, would stand, that because, not because of works, but because of him who calls, it was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Why is this going on in her soul? Why is this going on in her womb? Because of God's purpose. Say that with me. God's purpose. Say it again. God's purpose. One more time. God's purpose. We're not talking about purpose, guys. We're talking about God's purpose. There's a difference. Hay una diferencia. No estamos diciendo propósito. Estamos diciendo el propósito de Dios. Because all of us have purposes. We have decisions we've made. But those decisions are not what stands. There's something that stands over human history, and that is the purpose of God. Say God's purpose. You see, this thing is going on in her womb, and Rebecca wants to know why. And God tells her why. Because I have a purpose. And he reveals to her his purpose. The word purpose in the Greek is uh, prothesis, which is two words. Pro, which means before, and thesis, which means to lay something out. God lays something out in front of her before it happens so that she'll know that everything that's gone on in her life up to this point is to accomplish a divine purpose, divine agenda. And this is why uh, purpose is such a mystery to us because we don't always understand what God is doing. But we do need to understand this. God's purpose reigns. I said God's purpose reigns. El propósito de Dios reina. There's what I want and then there's what God wants. And God's purpose reigns to the extent and so far even that God's purpose will trump everything else. Listen, if God needs to get Balaam from point A to point B and Balaam won't go, God will use a donkey to talk to him. Because God's purpose trumps everything else. I heard somebody the other day said, well, the Lord could try. I said, ha, 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 The Lord can do what? The Lord's never tried nothing. Say amen, somebody. God has never tried anything. Alguien usó la expresión, si Dios uh, puede calarle. Dios no cala nada. No hace intentos. No dice, a ver si puedo. Come on, somebody. When God says it's going to be red, it's red. If God says it's going to be, it's going to be. And if God says no, it's no. God's purpose reigns. And many times we kick and we pull and we scream and we holler and we shake and we twist and we turn because we don't understand why did God have to say no. I know he should have said yes. I know what God should do in this situation. I know what God, when God should do it. And God wants you to know tonight my purpose will reign. So don't abort this thing that God is doing in your life 
because it's too hard or because it's too complicated or because it costs more than you thought it was going to cost or because it took longer than you thought you were gonna t- it was going to take. God knew from the beginning how much it was going to cost and how long it was going to take. Come on, somebody. God preordained it. He, he laid it out in advance what he was going to do. And guess what? He's already provided the grace and the resources, and the strength, and the answers to prayer so that you can get what he needs done in your life. Somebody ought to give God praise for his purpose. Así que usted no, no debe abortar lo que Dios está formando en su vida. Diciendo, oh, me costó mucho, o es muy difícil, o yo no lo esperaba tan difícil. Y hay este conflicto en mí en hacer la voluntad de Dios. Y hacer la voluntad de Dios entre el ministerio y mi familia. Entre lo que quiero hacer y lo que Dios me ha llamado a hacer. No aborte eso porque el propósito de Dios va a reinar. Y cuando Dios termine, usted va a decir. When God's done, you're just going to be speechless. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know it was going to be so easy. I didn't even know God was going to use me that way. I didn't even know that was in me. There's a mystery at work in your life. You see, because all we see is today. We say yesterday is history, tomorrow's a mystery, right? All we know is today. But God doesn't see today. He sees yesterday. He sees tomorrow. He already he already watched the whole movie. Like he directed it. He re- so so you walk in in the middle of one scene. You think this looks bad. This is going to be awful. This movie is going to end badly. And then God says, "Just watch the next scene. Don't abort what I'm doing. Don't don't stop the tape. You just keep." Walking according to my purpose, and I'm going to do it. So how do we get to that place where, where we can be at peace with the, with the mystery of prayer and the mystery of, of purpose? How do we get to that place where we can be at rest? How do we get there? Come next week. No, I'm just going <laughs> to... How did Rebecca get there? Go back to Genesis. Genesis 25. Are you with me? The the children struggled together within her. This is verse 22. Genesis 25, 22. And she said, if it was this way, why then, if it was going to be like this, why is it this way? So what did she do? So she went to inquire of the Lord. What did she do? She went to inquire of the Lord. Say that with me. She went to inquire of the Lord. One more time. She went to inquire of the Lord. ¿Cómo llegamos a ese lugar donde tenemos el descanso en el propósito de la oración? Rebeca dice que ella fue y inquirió a Jehová. Now I want you to think about this. This is very, very important. At least it is to me. But as far as I can tell, the first time in the Bible that a woman is said to have inquired of the Lord. This lady decided I have some rights here. And I need to go and talk to God. He called Abraham, my father-in-law. And he called Isaac. But if I'm a part of this plan, I need to talk to him. Come on, somebody. You have direct access to God. And you know what else I love about the text? The word inquire. You know what it means? It means to beat a path. 
When I was in the Amazon, I uh, went to the Amazon a few times, 50 hours by barge into the Amazon jungle. All right? So don't complain about your two-minute drive to church. And whenever we said, you know, we need a pit stop, there were no rest areas. There were no buckies. No stripes. So we would, we would just pull the, the peke peke off the side of the river, and one of the native guys would go in there with a machete and just beat a path down. And they would beat a path through the jungle, and that was the rest area. This is what she does. There are nothing but tall trees and bushes in front of her. She can't understand what's God doing. I'm standing in the middle of this, of this mess. My, my soul is in conflict. I don't know what God is doing. So she pulls out the machete of prayer and goes to beat down a path into the jungle so that she can get to God, so that she can see what God is up to in her life. And when she, when she inquires of the Lord, look at this. What does verse 23 say? Who said? She didn't hear from Abraham. Say amen, somebody. She didn't hear from Isaac. Say amen, somebody. The Lord said to her. God answered her. God gave her the answer that she needed. I don't know what answers you want and what what. Uh, you're dealing with and the, the issues of why and the issues of expectation that you're dealing with. But let me just tell you tonight that if you will beat a path to God's door in prayer, God will answer that door. He says, call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things, mysterious things that you don't know. She beat a path. She inquired of the Lord. And here's the facts, guys. When, when you beat a path, you're not the only one that goes through that path. Behind you now can walk people who can go on the light of what you learned into places that they would never have been able to go before. But because you got on your knees and you sought the Lord, you're now able to take people where they couldn't go before. Come on, Kingsway. Because if you will beat a path, you'll show the way to your children and the way to your grandchildren to get to God. Come on, somebody. Inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord. Look at what the psalmist says. Verse Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Why is the psalmist worshiping God like this? This is why. Verse 4. Because I sought the Lord. And he answered me. Don't ever get, don't ever get comfortable. Don't ever get used to the idea that God answers measly little human beings. Come on, this is an extraordinary thing for a man to say. A man who is going to live 70, 80, or 90 years, who's not going to live one small percentage the time that God has been God. A man who is so insignificant God could blow his nose and wipe him out for all of existence. That that man could say, Lord, and God says, yes, son, what do you want? What do you need? I sought the Lord and he answered me. Come on, somebody. We serve a God who answers. And he delivered me from all of my fears. He delivered me from all of the what ifs, all of the whys, all of the anxieties of my, of my world. He delivered me from all of my fears. And they that look to him will be radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed are those who take refuge in him. 
Would you stand with me tonight? Let's just raise our hands and glorify God. Just inquire of the Lord tonight. You know, an inquiry doesn't just take a moment or two. It takes sometimes a lifetime of inquiry. But take that first step tonight. Just inquire of the Lord. Tell him, Lord, Lord I want to understand. Give me some revelation. Give me some insight. I want to understand what's going on with my children, what's going on with my grandchildren. I want to understand what's going on at work. I want to understand what's going on with my finances. Give me a revelation. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. That's your testimony. That's your God. Tonight, as he speaks to your heart, there's that conflict going on between you. One thing God has called you to do and another thing God has called you to do. You don't know how it's all going to work out, how it's all going to balance out. Just trust him with it. He has a purpose at work. He has a purpose at work. And he's not going to miss the mark. He's not going to fail and he's not going to let you down and he's not going to waste your life. Come on, just lift your voice. Lift your voice before the Lord. Just begin to bless the Lord with confidence and trust in Him. You don't see it all, but He does. You don't know it all, but He does. And He's going to work it out. He's going to bring about His glorious purpose in your life.